Welcome to the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. We come to you weekly from Shilling Speakers Toastmasters Club. An online club with global membership in District 91 in the UK. Welcome to this edition of the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Today we have Philippa Gray with us. Hello. Paula Mahoney. Hi, Dee. And our special guest today will be interviewed by Paul is Matty Behan. Hello, Matty. Hello. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. We'll start off with our usual fair, which is the big ideas this week. Philippa, what's your big idea? Well, Pat, I'm afraid I haven't had a terribly big idea. Um, it's been a very odd week in the UK, which I'll talk about a bit later. But I have had a holiday and I've realised the value of just getting away from things. And I feel I've sort of reset a whole lot of aspects of my life and bounce back ready determined to get things done so there's my big idea take a holiday so you're fresh and eager yes fantastic paul what's your big idea i have a big job in toastmasters it's so big that it's impossible to do it all but in the last week I've been immersed in something that I'd have to say has given me some ideas. And it is, I've been immersed in big decisions, big drama and big implications. And it's all been about speech contests, which are practically on us. And the reason I say it's my big idea is that I've been in Toastmasters quite a while and I'm a division director in another district. And I'm thinking back over the years I've been in Toastmasters and I haven't had many big decisions over which I could have quite an influence. There weren't all that many people at a district executive committee uh, meeting. So every vote was, you know, terribly valuable. And that made me think, hey, the fewer people come to the meeting, the more influence uh, your single vote can have. And, and that was a big thing. It was all about whether the particular district I'm talking about was going to hold its area speech contests uh, online or in hybrid and the same in division and the same at district level and my big satisfaction was the vote went the way I wanted it to go now not everybody wanted it to go that way but it was pretty strong majority and the implications are huge because a whole load of people will have to do less work and that's why I'm so pleased coming into today's meeting, Pat, and Philippa, and Maddie. Well, that will be interesting, Paul. I saw the announcement come out that all our speech contests are going to be on, from area and disc division, are going to be um, online only. Ah, but only in that particular district, in the district where Schilling Speakers is, the area contests are going to be hybrid. hybrid. The uh, division contests are going to be hybrid and clearly the district are going to be hybrid. So we have a case study of two districts alongside each other, one going hybrid and the other going staying uh, online. What a wonderful opportunity for us to do some research. I completely agree with you. I would be interested to see how well hybrid works, particularly for the in-person audience. And particularly for the area directors. I'm going to be watching them like a hawk. Fantastic. Anything more on that, Paul? 
Well, with great sympathy, I should add, because I do not mean I'll be staring down, sort of wishing anything. But, you know, I don't mind saying publicly, I was very influenced in the way in which I voted to make life as easy as possible for area directors. I think that it's not an easy time, no matter what people say, but I have no more to say today. Fantastic, Paul. Thank you. Well, my big idea this week has been coming about reading a book that I was recommended by Marv Serhan called Cultural Amnesia. It's a book by a man called Professor Stephen Bertman, written in 2000, and it's about the America's future and the crisis of memory. Professor Bertman is a student of the ancient literatures and creates a parallel between the decline in American culture and the re resurrection of culture in Ithaca as part of Ulysses' return to Ithaca in Homer's Iliad. Fantastic parallel. But what he says is that the three causes of the decline in American culture are the dumbing down of education, the celebration of transience, that nothing is permanent and everything um, is capable of, of wasting away in very short order. And the third one is an electronic faith that worships the present to the exclusion of all other dimensions. So no looking back and not a great amount of looking forward. And he goes on to explain these in greater detail. And I think this is something that I will take the soapbox on in a very near future podcast, because I think there are some really valuable lessons to be considered in here and lessons and observations and comments that the that reflect something I said in a previous podcast, which was a quote by Carl Sagan. So I'll come back to this in a later podcast. That's my big idea. Super stuff, Pat. That's the end of part one of our Shilling Toastmasters podcast for this week. In part two, Paul O'Mahony will interview our special guest, Matty Behan. Paul. Matty, hello. Lovely to be in your company again. Thank you very much, Paul. And it's nice to be with you too. Well, look, I have one opening question that I've been wanting to ask you for ages. Why on earth did you, who I happen to know, live in Ireland, happen to know, live in a relatively small place in the countryside in Ireland? Why on earth did you decide to join Shilling Speakers, one of these clubs full of very experienced people? Tell us the story. How were you persuaded? Paul, when the uh, pandemic started and Zoom came in, the first year I went to meetings and all over the place to America, Poland, Spain and Nigeria, New Zealand, I attended them all for the first year. The second year, then I started to settle down a little bit and uh, I haven't seen the different clubs that I've seen. I said, regard Sheeling now is one of the clubs that, that uh, took my attention, as did one or two more. And uh, I asked to myself, I think I'll stay on there maybe, and I asked them could I become a member, and they said yes, give me a fantastic 
working. I stayed on and that's I'm still there. So are you saying that it was a beauty parade? A you know, you, you checked a, a number out, you saw which one was the most beautiful and you went for that one. Yes, well, uh, uh, they were certainly very friendly people in it. Uh, I, I knew that they gave me the first they gave me the impression that they were a very welcoming club. And then now having been with them, I now know they are a very welcoming. And uh, I always look forward to logging into the meetings. Matty, I'd say there's a good few club members and a good few people listen to this who don't really know who you are. They, they know you're Irish, but they certainly don't know you joined Toastmasters in 2010. They don't know that you've been uh, vice president for public relations three times. You've been uh, vice president membership twice, sergeant at arms four times, president once, past immediate past president once, and an area director once. And that, if I'm information and informants are correct, you're currently a member of five clubs. Yes, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, 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 I'm a member of two clubs face to face here in County Wexford in Ireland. And I'm a, a member of three online clubs. And I, it's kind of hard to exp explain me in this, but I am, I'm, I live on my own. I don't have brothers and sisters. And I like, I don't like just being lonely, doing nothing. I like being involved. And I, I seem to work better when I'm involved, where I have to go from this to this to this, and I keep moving, and that, I, it's hard to explain, but I seem to work better that way. The more I have to do, the quicker I get it done. Whereas if I've only one or two little things to do, <laughs> sometimes I do be late in getting them done. Well, Maddie, I, I can say that I don't think you find it hard to, well, for me, you're not finding it hard to explain because the explanation is totally clear. You like uh, being involved because I, I gave a little list of the things you've been involved in, but I left a few out. You've played a role at, in district contest finals. You've played a role at important meetings. Tell me this much. You're, you're a massive role player. You're a leader. In all these leadership roles you've played, it's phenomenal. And, you know, your second year this year, I'm privileged to have you as an area director in a division that I'm division director for. So it's just pretty phenomenal. Tell me, do you make any speeches? Do you do, you, do, you, do, you do any prepared speeches? And uh, what do you like to speak about if you do? Well, Paul, here comes a, a very depressing answer at the moment, which I hope to change very quickly. <clears throat> It is about three and a half years now, I'm sorry to say, since I did a speech. I have a lot of things I want to tell and talk about, and I just need to get back into them. I have been concentrating so much now on the role play that I'm doing, but I do intend I will be making my first comeback speech again on the 28th of October in another online 
club based in New Zealand. And I'm hoping that that will be the springboard to get me back in again. Well, Matty Bain, what an extraordinary servant you are to Toastmasters. A servant leader, if I ever met one. I am going to try to get along to your comeback speech, I tell you that. And I look forward to you talking to us in shilling uh, speakers pretty soon, Maddie. Thank you very much. Pretty soon. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much, too. I look forward to hearing that speech as well, Maddie. <laughs> yes. That's the end of part two of this week's Shilling Toastmasters podcast. In part three, we'll have Philippa Gray on her soapbox. Welcome to part three of this week's Shilling Toastmasters podcast. In this part, we have Philippa Gray on her soapbox. Philippa. Thank you, Pat. Uh, I hope it doesn't come as news to anybody. Queen Elizabeth II died a couple of weeks ago, and the time since then has been one of the weirdest of my life. Uh, her death wasn't... She was 96, so nobody expected her to live to ever, but felt like her death came very suddenly and unexpectedly and it felt like a huge change but at a personal level nothing had changed in my life um i live in a monarchy there's a monarch they have a very limited influence and uh quite a restricted role i don't envy them i'm a i'm an instinctive republican um i look at ireland and look at string of Irish presidents and think, wow, they're amazing. But I have come to accept that monarchy works in the UK and we've got so many other things that I'd like to change. I can just live with it. Um, I didn't expect it, but I felt uh, ooh, almost honoured when I was asked at the start of the uh, speechcraft course that Shilling Speakers has, was running at the time to uh, lead a two-minute silence. So I was surprised how moved I was by that. But since then, um, I feel there has just been too much of uh, mourning and death and funeral, and it feels like everybody in the UK uh, jumped at the opportunity to forget all about cost of living crisis, war in Ukraine, and everything else for a few weeks, which mm, can't really blame them, but... I'm sure there's better ways to do it. And as I mentioned earlier, I was on holiday last week. I had some very odd conversations. Uh, people mostly seemed upset that all the every football match in the UK apparently was cancelled a couple of days after the Queen died, uh, even down to amateur level. And I met quite a few people who were just steaming with fury about that. Kids don't care about the monarchy. They need to get out and get the exercise and the fresh air. So all in all, it's been surprising in the UK just how united people are. Um, yeah, I think most of us who aren't huge fans of the monarchy just realised now was time to uh, keep quiet and let people express their feelings. But I've realised that uh, we, as a culture, aren't very good at mourning and we don't understand much about it. And this is my soapbox topic, really, not the royal family. There's an idea, which I think stems from work of psychologists in the 80s, that when you're mourning, you follow a set uh, 
succession of stages you read about denial and anger and blame and finally you come out with acceptance now i don't know much about grief counseling but i do do some admin work for a small local charity who provide bereavement counseling uh, locally in hampshire where i live and i have picked up some quite surprising information and I think the world needs to know it. There is no correct way to mourn. Everybody does it differently. Part of my problem, part of the reason I found the last couple of weeks weird, is that I seem to mourn very, very slowly. Um, I don't panic at death. I know it's natural. I know it has to come to all of us. And it takes me an awful long time to work through my emotions. I went to a memorial service back in 2017 as part of the World War I centenary commemorations, I found myself in floods of tears. I think it was a memorial for the Battle of the Somme. I'm absolutely certain I have no personal interest in that. I do have great uncles who were killed in World War I, but towards the end of the war, not in the Somme. I realised that you get a sort of build-up of grief and... Whenever you hear of a stranger dying, whether it's soldiers in World War One or the Queen of England, uh, any sort of remnants of grief are liable to come out. This is quite natural. I've also learned that grief doesn't end. You don't actually accept the death of a loved one. You just much better, much healthier to think of reshaping your life around that absence bit like a tree will grow around a branch that's been cut off. So my message is, think about grief. It's going to happen well. It'll happen to you. The only way to avoid it is um, dying before all your friends, and no, nobody wants that. So don't be afraid to talk to people who've been bereaved. Remember, the worst has already happened. There's nothing you can do to make things any worse. Um, and they probably want to talk to you. Don't tell people how they should grieve. Just accept. It's slow. It's a confusing process. I've heard talk of the whirlpool of grief. So not a steady process, but it's like paddling along with your canoe. You suddenly go over a waterfall that you hadn't seen coming. You land in the middle of a whirlpool. You struggle to get your canoe back under control. You might get flung out of the whirlpool and everything seems calm and then suddenly you get sucked back in again. You might end up at the centre of it where things are a bit calmer. Then you get thrown out to the edges again where things are turbulent. So just say, when dealing with your own grief, give yourself time, allow yourself to do it your way. And when you're dealing with people, don't be afraid to talk to them, listen to them and find out. Do they want to talk more or do they want to be distracted? And there's no right or wrong in this. So thank you. That is my soapbox for the week. What wonderful thoughts, Philippa. Thank you very much for your very considered and thoughtful soapbox. That is the end of this week's podcast from Shilling Toastmasters. And so goodbye from me, Pat Hazen. Goodbye from... From Philippa Gray. And for Paul Omani, and I just have to thank Matty Bean. I really have to thank him again.
Thank you, Paul. That's it for today from the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with your friends. That's it for today from the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with your friends. That's it for today from the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with your friends. That's it for today from the Shilling Toastmasters podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share with your friends.